Do y'all always get free stuff from the corner store? <laughs> Welcome to the Tape Visuals Podcast, episode nine. Got a special guest on, but this was requested per Instagram followers. Song of the day is Bad Boy Steam Song. You don't get a copyright, but it's all right. <laughs> Episode 9, Tip of this podcast, man. We brought somebody different on. And we're going to get into it. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? When you were eight and you had bad That's enough of that, though. That's enough of that. And special guests in the building, like always, every week. We want to bring somebody who brings educational learning and entertainment here and today we have a server of our community uh what we'll say a protector of the community somebody who enforces and guides and protects our people police officer landon tillery right am i right yes sir and like I said, this podcast, we want to bring on everybody. We don't want to just bring on entertainers. We don't want to just bring on, what else? What can I say? Artists, rappers. We want to bring people who bring perspective to life and to our culture and to every other culture for people can learn different aspects of life. If they're not informed about it, we're going to learn about it. And today, this is not an attack on police because, you know, police are a punching bag in today's society. This is... And I'm glad you came on. I want to say that before we even get it to appreciate you for coming on here. But this is for Landon to provide his perspective from the police side and me to ask questions that people ask me to ask and questions I have on my own. So today we're going to get into it. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Um, <clears throat> as you know, we went to high school together. Right. Grew up from around the fairgrounds in the Seven Ward. Mm-hmm. Grew up from over there. Not a bad neighborhood, but not the best neighborhood either. Mm-hmm. Grew up, went to, high, went to Hines for middle school, went to Easton for high school, did some college, worked a few odd jobs, didn't like the way it was going, didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother decided we was going to both go be the police together. I've been doing that for about three years. Mm-hmm. So um, your brother was a police officer first? We decided to do it at the same time. Same time he right. had hit me and was like... Yeah, I'm thinking about doing it, but I don't really want to do it by myself because, you know, the way the whole social climate need was. That support. Yeah, he needed that support. So I just was like, cool, I'll do it with you, mm-hmm. just off the strength. And I ended up liking it. Right. So throughout growing up, you know, a lot of the, the stereotype on young black kids is they want to be an artist, a ball player, no matter football, basketball, baseball. Did you ever have any idea that you were going to be a police officer growing up? Never had the idea. Like, to be honest, growing up, I wanted to go to the military. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Be big military, do that for my life. Then as I got older, I kind of realized the politics that goes into being in the military and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was like, I ain't going to do it. And I just floated around just doing whatever I could do to get the dollar. And then one day I ended up, you know, finding the job with the police and ended up liking it. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Now, growing up in New Orleans... Like you said, you want you you wouldn't think about the police. What did you think of police growing up down south? We the Souths of the Souths, if that makes sense in New Orleans. What did, what was your point of view, uh, perspective on police officers? So my pops always just told me stay from around them. Mm-hmm. Don't do nothing that's gonna get you involved in them. If you do, don't call me. You're on your own. 
<laughs> so typical black parent. Huh? I just always just was like, look, they over there. I'm gonna stay my way over here. I ain't right. gonna stay deal out with the them. Way, no trouble. Never had no communication with them. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It just was they on their side. I'm on my side. Do my best to stay out. Stay out their way. Um, key point you just said. They on their side, and you on your side. Is the police force? I forgot what they call the blue is. That really a community that police abide by is us versus them. So that's a thing that a lot of people really feel like it's true. Mm-hmm. And even on the police force, a lot of people feel like it should be a us versus them mentality. And mm-hmm. every time I hear somebody say that, I try to correct them because that's not the truth. You mm-hmm. can never truly serve somebody and be a helping part of your community if you feel like it always me versus them, they always and, a threat to you. Yeah, you we two different sides. You got to work with the people and really like be a part of the people. Like I work in the ninth ward, mm-hmm. so I got across the canal, I got the seventh ward, and I got the eighth ward. That's some of the worst areas in the city. Yep. But any anywhere I go, uniform, not in uniform, whatever, I'm gonna go in the ninth ward. I'm gonna treat them dudes with respect, and they're gonna treat me with respect just off the strength. Yep. If you don't go out there feeling already on your mind, like I got something against this dude just because he from this area and he young. So he got it, you know, he Have on the other side. Horrible mindset. Yeah. So um, with being in, how is it? This was an Instagram question from um, one of my followers. I'm going to um, shout the follow out when I remember the name. But it was, how does relationship changes, relationship, personal relationships with family and friends changes when you become a police officer? So. I said that. I had some relationships that didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. Like some people just was like, you know, that's your job. That's cool. I still, you know, we still rock with each other. But I also have like some people who feel like once you the police, that's all you are. Right. So it's like <laughs> anything I'm talking to them about or anything they doing, they're like, oh, I can't tell you that though. And right. Like, it just feel like people put you in a situation <laughs> to where you feel weird even being around so you don't come right. around no more. Is that... Like you said, you feel weird. Is that like, I don't even know, how could you like hang with somebody and you're like police officer? Even if you're off duty, you like, who are involved in Ill- illegal activities, when you get back on duty, do you go like back to them? Like, uh-uh, you got to cut that shit out. I'm going to give you a break because you're my friend, but uh-uh, you can't be doing that no more. Well, the way they, like, the way they taught us is like, if you know somebody doing some dirty stuff, uh-huh. don't don't hang around them. You right. know, if, like if you know since before you was doing, you know, the police, you know your cousin wheeling and dealing. Right. Don't hang around that cousin no more. I ain't saying that ain't your cousin. You can still talk to right. him. You just still kick with it with him. him. Just you know, if you know that's what he going do, if he go on this street, don't go on that street with right. him because you putting yourself in a bad situation. So it's like you still can have them relationships mm-hmm. with people, but if you know they doing dirt. You can't associate yourself with them to put yourself in a bad spot. Right. Like, in a bad spot, um, has there ever been a, a incident where a police officer, police officer has been involved with a friend or family member doing illegal stuff? Not the police, but a friend or family. Say, like you just said, like somebody in a car riding, going to sell weed, and they got caught and a police officer was in the car. Oh, yeah. They How got, would that go? They got police officers who... Old man, baby daddy, been selling, and they done got caught. They right. they married to the man. He's selling. He been slinging for so long. Her child slinging. They got police officers who been caught like that. They got police officers who done been in the car. Chicks rolling up. You know, they rolling up weed. He mm-hmm. in the car. They get stopped. He going to get, you know, he getting in trouble for that too. But s- some people, 
end up getting in them situations and finding their way out, but some people just straight up get fired. Facts. How strict are is the police department on, on cracking down on things like that? Like as far as like they relationships? They, yeah, they own offices. The, um, cracking down on personal relationships with um, family and friends. Um, they're pretty strict as far as like if you know this person is this criminal and all mm-hmm. of this and that, don't be associating with them because if I find out, like they're going to basically have a way of saying if it come back to it and I feel like you involved in his whole situation, that's on you too. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's one thing if you just an old lady and you know he's selling and he, you know he's doing this, but it's a whole other thing if you're the police. So now you got access to all this different stuff, right? And it's kind of look, it's gonna look funny mm-hmm. if you involved and he just so happened to know. Oh, they gonna come over here on this day, or oh, this how they do this, Facts. and you the police. Facts. Now, with saying that, what is the process of being a police officer in New Orleans? Because is it the same everywhere else, or is it different? I I think it's different, but I was told my process was pretty fast because I was young. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the older you get, the longer it takes for them to go through your background and everything. Mm-hmm. But you do a test. It's a written test. You do it. It's a straightforward test. It's not nothing harder than, you know, some stuff we did at Easton. Mm-hmm. Um, after you do the written test, they got a physical test. It's like 25 push-ups and like 30 sit-ups. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing too hard. And then after that, they have like a whole vetting process. They're going to go through your background. They're going to go to your neighborhood that's on your address. And mm-hmm. they're going to go through that and like ask your neighbors about you. they be like, you know, you ever known him to be into stuff. And they're going to try to figure you out before right. they hire you. And then after that, you go through the academy. I think the academy down here is like six months. I think mm-hmm. everywhere else is as long as three. Dang. So why is it six months down here? They want you to be prepared because they know... Like, New Orleans kind of operate a little different than everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, in New Orleans, they want you to know, yeah, this is the way you might do something where you from, mm-hmm. but down here is different. They talk different. They act different. Like, I'll never forget, we had a dude, he was from Michigan in my class, and we was talking, and it was me and another dude from New Orleans. And he was like, yeah. So I went by my, my little yeah. Me and her did the yeah. And then I had dipped out because, you know, I had to do what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So the dude from Michigan just was sitting there. Didn't like, know. The yeah. Didn't about? know nothing about what was going on. And I already knew the whole the whole skilo. I was like, I already know you. When did what you had to do. Got you something left. But dude from Michigan was like, what? So it's like a lot of classes we have is about culture. And it's about like. Oh, if you see the Mardi Gras Indians and they start talking crazy, no, mm-hmm. they're not about to fight. That's just how they get hyped Interact up. Interact with yeah. each other, right? Now, like you said, this one is six months. Do you feel the police process has to be longer, shorter, or six months is good for New Orleans? Because you say like everywhere else is three months and under. Do you feel three months is enough to learn the basics? I, I don't think three months is enough. Because mm-hmm. like for us... You do the six-month academy, and then after you get out the six-month academy, it's another three or four months that you're riding with a senior police officer who's been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So it's really like your whole first year, you're not really doing nothing by yourself. I feel like that's an appropriate like length for learning how to do it and learning how to deal with people. But like how people get academies and it be three months and stuff like that, I feel like you're not learning enough because really you gotta you gotta do it in a controlled environment before mm-hmm. you think you could go somewhere 
where it's uncontrolled and it's mm-hmm. not scripted. You can't deal, and yeah. you got to deal with all these different, I guess, personas and attitudes from one person screaming over here, one person trying to calm it down. It's just like you never could really know everything you're going to run into, mm-hmm. but I'd rather put pressure on you while we in the classroom right. and then see how you react. And then you learn from it. Like you be like, yeah, you got in my face and I kind of clicked out. And mm-hmm. then you're going to learn. I can't do that if I'm out in the street and somebody get in my face. I can't click out. Right. So you got to you gotta give them them repetitions so that people can learn from in a classroom before they go outside. And then they realize, oh, I can't talk to drunk people. I hate drunk people and I be won't. You know, rough right. them up. Mm-hmm. Learn that in the classroom. Don't learn that when you're actually in a situation. Right. Now, how does the police um, force deal with... Because that's basically social skills, just basically talking and trying to control the situation. How does the police approach that when teaching you guys that? So, in my experience, because we had a dude, he was in the Marines. He was in the Marines for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. He worked overseas. He did private security for like 10 Dude couldn't talk to nobody. He was he's like a robot. He was big, swole. Uh-huh. If, you, if you tell him go grab somebody, he could do it. But if you tell him, like, yeah, this dude just having a rough day, so he called the police, dude just going to stand there. So as we went on, they would put him with people who knew how to talk, uh-huh. and they would put him with people who he didn't want to be with because he like, this dude aggravating, all he do is talk all day. But as he spent time with different people and got – with people who had characters, he would, yeah, character. he would kind of pick up on it. And he would, even if he wasn't that kind of person, he learned how to fake it. Uh-huh. So it's like, they'll put you in a situation, at least here anyway, they'll put you in situations to where you could learn from other people and just pick up on what everybody got in their toolbox. Uh-huh. So that way, even if it ain't you, you could go somewhere and you could fake it and be, you could come out good. Thanks. Now, before, before you get into, I guess, is it, you get into I don't know the process of being a um, police officer, but you say like the year on a job training where you just basically handling stuff with a, um, I say a, a veteran police officer. How long till you get into your own car with your own partner and y'all just doing what y'all patrolling, uh, traffic, uh, whatever department y'all in? So pretty much after that year of training, mm-hmm. then you go out on your own. And usually the way people do it is they'll take two new people and mm-hmm. put them together so that way you have that feeling out period right. of now I'm making my own choices and you got somebody to bounce it off of mm-hmm. and they'll put y'all together for a while and then when they feel like you're comfortable, then you might arrive by yourself. But usually if, if, the, if the sergeants and the supervisors feel like you not all the way on game, <clears throat> my bad, yeah. they'll, um, they'll let you ride with somebody else or if they see you making mistakes, they'll put you with somebody else. So that person, you always got somebody to bounce your ideas off of. Mm-hmm. Now, you say you enjoyed, uh, you enjoyed being a police officer. Did you enjoy the process of from the beginning till now, like what, when you was going through your six months of training? What was your thought process during that time? I enjoyed the six months of training. It was a really good learning experience because it's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. Like when we was taking the law classes and when we learning about the different amendments and stuff like that, I was enjoying that. Cause I'm like, I didn't know all of this stuff. It's like just different stuff that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So as we going through it, I was doing a lot of learning and like the six months, it was really like going to school. It's like <laughs> you, you go to school for eight hours a day 
and you're just hitting books hard. Like you, you're doing the books. You, that's all. Like they gave us a binder that was about this thick. And it was like, you got to know everything that's in it by the end of the six months. And you just had to sit there and study. And I had never studied a day in my life. At your own pace? No. You got to learn a book? Yeah, you got to learn it at their pace. Oh. And like, I had never studied a day in my life. Went through high school, all that. <laughs> just never, smart. <laughs> just never studied. Got there, I was like, bro, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't keep up. Because you only could fail two tests. Mm-hmm. And you still got to retake them and pass them. But you only get two fails before they put you out. So kicked out the whole thing. Kicked out the you, whole. Can thing. you come back? Like, oh, you could. I'm sure you could come yeah, back and probably, take it again. Probably eventually, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're gonna you're gonna restart your whole process if you fail twice. So I just was like, really stressing, trying to make sure I was on top of my game and trying to make sure I got everything right. Mm-hmm. Not a physical part. You said only 25 push-ups and 30 sit-ups. So basically, anybody who could do that could be a police officer. <laughs> Why is it so easy that that part? Dude? That's like, so that's the initial test. Mm-hmm. That's to get in. And I think when you graduate, it's 45 and 45, and you got to run a mile and a half mm-hmm. in under 12 minutes. So still not nothing that's hard. Gotcha. But they just figure if you, you know, you could be kind of like a mushy potato, and then right. by the time you graduate, you gonna, they're going to fry you up. You're going to be some french fries. Because <laughs> it, cause it's, not, it's not too many... It, it's not too many, I guess, on foot chases with police, regular <laughs> police officers. I guess it's in a car, so you don't need to have that much physical capabilities. All right, I want to get to this. Last year, we know the coronavirus hit in March. Well, February. From March all the way, I would say it lasts throughout the whole summer where it was heavy at all the protests, all of the killings. A lot of things went on. And everywhere. How was the police reaction to the George Floyd killing? So, <clears throat> yeah, that, that was a question from one of my followers, too. They said, was it a lot of tension within the police force? Definitely, because a, a lot of people was being silent about it mm-hmm. just because they knew if they voiced their opinion, people was going to look at them different. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who felt like the whole George Floyd situation was justified mm-hmm. just stayed quiet. Right. But all of the other people who knew that was wrong spoke up and was like, I don't agree with that. But people always preface giving their opinion on what other police do with, I don't know what they were seeing. I don't know what they was going through. Right. I don't know what was running through their head because you never want to play Monday morning quarterback and be like, well, a quarterback should have made this read yeah. and did that. So you never really want to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Right. But from the outside looking in, it's easy to you, say. Yeah, you know you don't agree with that. You know why why you sitting on this man, why you have him on the ground. Mm-hmm. When you taught, if you lay somebody on his chest, they gonna suffocate. Mm-hmm. That's a rule. That's a thing. No matter who you is, no matter how good shape you in, you're not supposed to leave somebody on their chest for so long with their hands behind their back. They gonna suffocate. So why do that in this situation when you have him under control? Right. Now, like you said, rules. Are there any illegal moves that police officers can't use on humans? I say humans, people. <laughs> Same thing, but... Yeah, they got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, like, chokeholds and, like, different... Like, you basically only supposed to use what the police department taught you. Mm-hmm. And they only teach you, like, a select amount of things. It's not, like, it's not that whole, like, a long list of you don't mm-hmm. learn Taekwondo or nothing. It's just specific defensive tactics that they teach you. Mm-hmm. They don't teach you nothing offensive. They don't teach you, like, special moves and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're only supposed to really use what they taught you. 
unless you feel like your life is in danger or you fighting for your life, then you could kind of go into some of that other stuff that you know and really mm-hmm. just fight to save your life. Gotcha. But if you're just trying to arrest somebody or you just, you know, getting into it with somebody and they fighting back, you can't go out the ball. You can't do stuff that have a chance of killing this person. Mm-hmm. How does it feel when you see the response from um, the community and the people of of their what would I want to say their perspective on police officers? What do you think when you um, hear what people say? People be like, they not for us, f the police, things like that, stuff like that. I think it's interesting because a lot of the people who feel like they not for us and you know defund the police and all this and that is people who never dealt with the police. Mm-hmm. That's coming from a lot of people who come from areas where they only see the police driving by and stuff like that. They not really jumping mm-hmm. out and dealing with people like. I could go in. I go in the night ward. I'm in the stores. It's people who really rap sheet long as my leg. Like being arrested twenty times, done did years in Angola, all this and that. And mm-hmm. he like, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing. Cause if it wasn't for people like you, it'd right. only be people who don't know nothing about Police down here. Thinking and, it's just everybody bad. Yeah, like not that, but I'm saying like it'd be people who not from the neighborhoods and people who don't know nobody mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods trying to police the neighborhoods. So they like, you know, I appreciate. You taking that, and they like. I know everybody not gonna get it, and I know everybody mm-hmm. not gonna agree with it. But I appreciate it. So as long as one person feel like you know, I appreciate what you do. That's all I do it for. Thanks. Where do you feel? I guess the relationship with the people in the police went left. Even though you've been in police for three years, I'm sure you know a little bit about police history. Where do you feel like? Like you said, you're a familiar face. So when you go in the corner store. Somebody see you and they know you from the community. So they're more acceptable of you policing, uh, protecting the community. And strangers policing the community who nobody knowing just coming in the neighborhood saying, get over here, give me that, give me that, do this. How do you feel about that? I feel like it all went left kind of with a media twist to it. So like back in the day, people had every reason not to be cool with the police, agree with the police, because the police was doing them dirty. Mm-hmm. They was hacking them up, taking their stuff, doing everything they could to them because they ain't had no real structure and they didn't have nobody to answer to. But then, like, after Katrina, everything went south, everything was going bad, yeah. and that's when the Fed, as far as down here specifically, that's when the Feds got involved with us. So the Feds came and kind of restructured a lot of the way that the NOPD did stuff. So if we do something wrong, we answer to the feds within that day, the next day, because right. the feds watching everything we back. do. Yeah, so that changed the whole structure of things. They started paying people more stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it kind of weeded out a lot of those bad officers because they just decided, man, I'm going to go somewhere else because I'm not about to put up with this. This is a hassle. So that's when things really started going better in the communities, but that's when the media got involved and kind of started putting – a nationwide, you know, a bad push on the police nationwide, and that affected what went on in the city too. So there's still some progress that was made city-wise as far as people getting along with the police. It's a lot better here than it is a lot of other places, mm-hmm. but I think it's a lot to do with the media and a lot to do with people don't know that it's a different police force than that what their daddies was dealing with. It's right. different from in the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. Would you... Saying it's different, would you say it's better? I would. Mm-hmm. I say it's better just off the fact that 
It's like this. Back in the 80s and the 90s, they had police officers was clearing $20,000, $30,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So if they ran up on somebody who, you know, got some dope or got this and got that, yeah, they're going to they gonna take your money. They're right. going to take that. They're going to try to flip that. But now I make $65,000, $70,000 a year. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm going to mess up my opportunity to make that every That's year right. and keep getting more and more off of a $10,000 flip. That I'm going to do one time, do all this work for, and be facing fair time if I get caught. It's not worth it. So just that in itself really pushed a lot of the stuff that people was doing and just was like, it ain't worth it. It don't make no sense to do stuff like that. Facts. Now, what you say with the pay, 65 between 70, is is that, what is the starting pay for police officers starting out in New Orleans? Because we can't speak for other states because the... Price of living is different. So starting pay is like when you're doing your training and everything and you're in the academy, it's like 45 or 48, something mm-hmm. like that. Not bad. Then when you graduate the academy, you making like 50, 50, 60 ish. Mm-hmm. And then they let you do the details and the extra work and you're getting you some overtime and stuff like that. You're making 65, 70 easy. Mm-hmm. So with that, that's a good living because... Uh, another high, t- highly scouted topic on social media is police don't make shit. So wh- what do, what do you feel that come from? So if you don't do nothing, you ain't gonna make nothing. <laughs> what that mean? Don't do nothing. Like if you just sit there, you go do, do the bare minimum of shifts, you do the bare minimum of hours, all this and that. You're not gonna make nothing because taxes gonna hit you. Right. You get taxed a lot. Insurance. Different, yeah, insurances, life insurance policy, stuff like that. You're only going to take home 45 50 mm-hmm. if you don't do nothing. But if you work a couple of details, I only work about two details a month, mm-hmm. and they pay like $30 an hour. I do them for about 16 hours. That alone really bumped my pay up right. by like five Gs. Now, with that detailing, I don't know what detailing means. I know some people probably don't know what that means. What does detailing mean? That's just like if you work in, like you're not being the police. Well, you being the police, but it's like, say I got a party. I'm going to call NOPD and be like, hey, I need two officers here. I'm going to pay them $34. I'm going to send the money to y'all. Y'all send the money to them. Mm-hmm. And you sign up for it. It's like just extra work, All right. but it's a different pay rate. All right, got you. Now, with being in this climate of being a police officer, with... How I want to say, how hard is your job? Do under, do do the people understand how hard is a police job in today's climate with everybody? Like we, like I said earlier, saying just f the police. So the job could be real hard if you make it real hard, mm-hmm. and it could be all right if you make it all right. Like if you're taking everything personal, and every time somebody say <laughs> f you or call you out your name and all this and that, you take that personal, you bring it at home with you, you're gonna have a rough career. But they're not cursing you out. They don't know you. They're cursing out the shirt you wear. They're cursing out your badge. You got to mm-hmm. take that and roll it off your back because nobody know me that I'm dealing with. They don't. They calling me this, calling me that. They don't know me. They mm-hmm. never dealt with me. They ain't never met me. But they know the shirt I wear. They know who I work for. Mm-hmm. So you can't take all that stuff personal. It's work. You do it. When you get home, don't bring that home with you. Got you. Now, when... At the end, the um, I don't want I don't want to get to the end goal yet for police officers. Back to um, during the coronavirus when the protest was going on, and this wasn't regular police officers. This was um, I forgot what is it SWAT? Yeah, it's SWAT when 
how they handle, come through, clear the streets, knocking everybody over. What? How is it, like you said, you don't want to... You don't want to be the Monday quarterback and be like, they should have did it like this. What is a proper way you would have did it, though? Like as far uh, as the protest? Yeah, if you was perform handling people throughout a process. Because, like you say, they do have some bad people out there who want to do bad stuff who come out. But they also have some good people out there. So how do you guys, I guess, draw the line of who's good and who's bad? And it's a still crazy, a crazy situation out there, but you're still trying to handle yourself and get back home to your family. As far as the city, the city did really good with the protests mm-hmm. all the way until the people got on the bridge. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where stuff kind of went left because apparently it was some kind of miscommunication with the people who was running the protest. The people who was running the protest got with one of the head officers who was, you know, responding to the protest or whatever. And they supposedly talked it out, made some kind of plan, was like, this is where we're going to draw the line and we're going to be good. Y'all do y'all thing. We just stay here, make sure nothing happened. Apparently, some kind of miscommunication happened. The people decided to press the issue because they didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that's when kind of everything went left. And I'm not sure the 100% of the events that happened up there. But as we know, tear gas was administered and rubber bullets was fired. And you were on a bridge that caught us haywire. Like, wow. everybody go crazy. That's a dangerous situation. Yes, it so is. things could have been handled differently. I would have just tried to keep everybody off the bridge in general, but I don't know what the deal was that they, you know, what their arrangement was or whatever, what they decided to do, why they let them go onto the bridge or whatever. But it could have been handled differently. Everything until they got on the bridge, though, I feel like was really good because pretty much all it was was as long as y'all on the ground, we gonna be in the area with y'all, watching y'all protest. Mm-hmm. Long as sure yeah, long as nobody don't do nothing crazy, go to messing with buildings, stuff like that. Y'all peacefully protesting. We don't got no problem with that. Do what y'all do. It just seemed like when everybody got on the bridge is when everything went left. Facts. Now, I want to ask this question from well, I want to state this question that somebody asked me on Instagram. They said, "Do black officers this by the real?" The reg and destiny. <laughs> Do black officers find themselves discriminating other black people? I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have some people who do feel like, you know, oh, I know what this person thinking because I might know more about their background or something. They might have people that feel like that. Mm-hmm. But I try not to go into any situation without nothing but the facts. So, yeah, I might know what you look like, but I don't know your background. Just because you're black don't mean that you know nothing about nothing else that's going on. Just like if you're white, you could be from the gutter. Mm-hmm. It don't really matter. It's just about what you look like. Rep- like People being biased about race is something that really never made sense to me because everybody from somewhere different, you can't tell somebody's story just by looking at them and being like, oh, he black, so he got this and this on him, or oh, he white, so he do this and this. Mm-hmm. You never know, because it's about where you from and what you was brought up on. Mm-hmm. Now, basing off that, do you feel they need, is there a need for more black officers on a, on, in police general? Uh, we can just speak in New Orleans, since that's where you work at. So, in police general, I say, yeah, they mm-hmm. need more people who actually from these areas, police in these areas, because people don't know People don't, like, you can't bring somebody from New York and bring them and be like, this is the East. Deal with it. 
because they're not going to understand it. You mm-hmm. got to have somebody who, you got to have at least one person there who could teach you the culture and teach you the way things operate and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Totally but agree. as far as New Orleans, New Orleans actually have, it's like 70% black officers. Mm-hmm. That it's, was going to be my next question too. What's the disparity between yeah, white and black officers? It's a lot of black officers in New Orleans. It's majority black. It's just that you might not see them as much, but uh-huh. it's majority black. You probably just don't pay attention. Like, people don't pay attention to it because I know I didn't. Because it's like, it seemed like if it's a black officer, you just be like, oh, it's a black officer and keep it pushing. Uh-huh. But you're paying attention when it's the white officer because you be feeling like, you know, oh, he about to come tell me something or he right. about to do me something. Yep. So that's when you pay attention to, oh, I seen this white guy, I seen this white guy. But the, two, the three black dudes you see, you just... Whatever. You don't pay attention yeah. to that. That just go over your head because like, oh shit, he black, he like me. Yeah. So um, I want to um get to traffic, traffic stops because that has been a big thing too over the last, I'll say five to years of how people get pulled over. Well, blacks, how blacks get pulled over and how they get handled. How is a traffic stop supposed to go? What is the proper way it's supposed to go? We so, can we can go back and forth of a traffic stop. Boom. I was speeding about seven miles. Over the speed limit, you pull me over. What's your move? So after I pull you over, walk up to the car, have you roll. I'm gonna knock on the window, have you roll your windows down. You roll them down. I'm gonna look in, make sure you. If you're the only person in the car, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go to the front of the car. But if mm-hmm. they got a bunch of other people in the car, I'm gonna talk to you from the back of the car because I'm gonna be standing in front. The people in the back seat. Heard that. But so I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna introduce myself. How you doing? I'm Officer Tillery. I work with the New Orleans Police Department. The reason I pulled you over is because you were speeding. Do you have your license, your registration, proof of insurance? And I'm going to let you know you're being recorded on my body camera. Because mm-hmm. that's what you're supposed to do. Because it's a procedural justice is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to explain to the person you're pulling over the procedure that they're about to go through. You're telling them why they stop. Do they understand what you're talking about? Do they, do they have a reason for why they were speeding? Or do they have a reason for why they ran a stop sign? And then you get their information, and then you go from there. All right. So where does these traffic stops that come on social media go left at? When, like, say you just got a riled up person, not the police, but a riled up, a riled up citizen who just driving. He just fed up. He's like, man, y'all motherfuckers always pulling me over, something like that. Where does it go left where he, someone gets jacked out of the car and he just gets to something that's not necessary? Usually, it go left with somebody pushing the issue. Mm-hmm. It could be the officer. It could be the person. Yeah. But it usually go left with somebody pushing the issue. Sometimes, it be the officer feeling played. Like, he feel like somebody pulled his card mm-hmm. because the man was like, y'all always messing with me. I told him off. He feel like he pulled his card just now. So, right. he going to feel like, you know, I'm going to show you I got authority over you. Mm-hmm. Start talking crazy to him. And then things go left. Or it's the person feeling like, y'all always messing with me. I'm tired of this. I'm not putting up with that no more. Right. And he kind of go to talking, talking crazy, crazy, and the officer kind of feel like, okay, I need him out of this car because I don't know what he about to do. I don't know if he got a gun in the car or what because mm-hmm. he's talking real sporty. So he decide he needs to get him out the car for his safety or whatever his reasoning is. And that's another way things go left because the dude feel like y'all doing unnecessary stuff, but the officer feel like I'm doing this because you kind of came with all that energy. I don't know what's going on. I'm just putting you up for something legit. Right. <laughs> but a lot of it goes left with people just not being a person about it. Like, mm-hmm. instead of just being like, you know, hey, how you doing? I'm such and such. I pulled you over for this. This what it is. 
they just be like, you got your license registration. Yeah. You know what I pulled you over for? Exactly. And it's like, they don't treat you like a person. Yeah, I know what you pulled me over for. Oh, I might not. I might not know I don't have a busted tail light. Uh, my registration expired. You don't ask me that. Don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Address me like a person. It's like an interrogation when it comes to the gun. Yeah, no. like, don't do not do all that. If you address this person like a person, hey, you were speeding. I saw it. I pulled you over. This who I am. You got your stuff. Then you go from there. That usually calms down the situation a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, what are um, some things you feel the police can do? Well, well, some things you feel that you guys are heavily... I would say good at, but still get criticized for by the people outside of the police force. I think like, especially in New Orleans, dealing mm-hmm. with crowds and dealing with like different events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. New Orleans police is really geared towards dealing with stuff like that. Yep. Cause we got Mardi Gras. We do Mardi Gras tourist training. City. Yeah. It's a tourist city. So we deal with stuff like that all the time, but people still feel like, Oh, y'all just coming and messing with us and y'all just doing this and doing that. Mm-hmm. But really it's to keep the crowd safe just as much as it's to keep everything else going right. You mm-hmm. got to keep everything in order. And other than that, I think like domestic situations, like people always feel like, you know, oh, such and such shouldn't go to jail or such and such shouldn't go to jail. But when it's domestic, that's the state. Like, it don't matter if the victim feel like, you know, if the old lady like, yeah, he hit me, but I ain't worried about it. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. Still, gonna, yeah, still you, gonna take you still got to take the ride. Mm-hmm. So it's like people criticize us for that and did doing what we got to do. But it's like, yeah, he just hit you this time. But what if next time you make him mad and this time he don't stop hitting you mm-hmm. and then it look bad on us? They're going to look back at us and be like, man, the police ain't do nothing. Y'all it, just let him go. Is that, does the domestic go both ways with men and women? If a man says she hitting yeah. on me and stuff like that, you, does she got to go to jail too? Yeah. Damn. It's, it's all about who aggressive first. Oh. Like whoever started the fight and pushed the issue, that's who gone. So what if it's a he say, she say? Whoever called the police? Nah, whoever called don't really matter. It's mm-hmm. just about, like, if it's he say, she say, you got the option to bring them both to jail, mm-hmm. or you going to try to do determ- different determining things, like... Like scratches? Or- yeah, like, if, if somebody, like, oh, she ran up on me, and then I hit her, and then the girl is like, oh, he was choking me, and then that's why I was hitting him, mm-hmm. and you'll look at, like, his hands and stuff, you know, if he choking her, she going to be scratching at his hands right. and different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like different stuff you could look at and investigate to try to figure out who was right and who was wrong. Ooh. Now, do you feel the police are understaffed, or you guys are overstaffed, or y'all are right staff? Y'all have enough. I lean towards understaffed, but I mean, that's coming from an officer who always going to feel like <laughs> right. I need more people at work. You know, yep. I, I'm tired of doing all this work. I need uh-huh. more people. So I'm always feel like that. But I think statistics wise, if you compare us to somewhere that has a similar population, mm-hmm. we probably are about on par. Mm-hmm. But then you got to factor in we got more crime than somewhere with a similar population, too. Yep. Now, how has the crime um, I guess shifted since you became a police officer in New Orleans for from the three years ago when you started. What you started, twenty seventeen or eighteen? Eighteen. Eight, 2018 to now. How's the crime shift? Because New Orleans was once the murder capital. How is this? That's way back though, like about what ten, eight, ten years, something that, like that. I don't know if it was that long ago. Well, earlier than that. How's it shifted since you became an officer? So when I first got on, it was really like. A lot of property crimes, like a lot of people breaking into cars, a lot of people doing this and doing that. Yep. And that's still on the rise. That's still a trend. That's crazy. Let me uh, interrupt you for one second. 
This was a question somebody asked me, bro. A crazy question. It's crazy you said that. He said, ask him why y'all not arresting the bum asses who's the bum ass car thieves. <laughs> and that was by Shamar Seven. That's crazy you said that. I had to get that out, but you get to you, man. But um, so it's like that was on the rise, but then when the whole COVID situation happened, it's like violent crimes just shot up. I guess people got desperate. People ain't got no jobs. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the whole background is, but violent crimes is really on the rise. It's just like people doing what feel like they got to do. And and what's a violent crime? What classifies a violent crime? Shooting, stabbings, um, robberies with a gun, different stuff like that. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is just So anything with a weapon, basically. Yeah, kind of, sort of. All right. Now, what is the most popular crime in New Orleans? Right now? Mm -hmm. Breaking into cars. (laughs) It's like a few years ago, it seemed like a bunch of 12-year-olds got together. I don't know if they had a big and they homie. young. Yeah, they all young. I don't know if they had a big homie who told them to do this or what their whole situation is, what spurred this movement. But it's just like buku 12-year-olds got together and was like, you know, if we break in this car, eventually we're going to find a gun. So now it's just So that's the goal of breaking in a car. That's what, a, it that's, like, that's what it seemed like to me because right. it's like, Every time you break it in a car, you you're not finding nothing, but you broke into twenty cars. And when you do find stuff, it's like I got this bottle of cologne, I got this, I got that. You mm-hmm. can't bring it to the pawn shop. You can't bring it like you. All you could do is sell it on the street. And you're like twelve. You mm-hmm. ain't gonna sell it on the street. But half these cars got guns in them. Mm-hmm. So and it's like they picking certain cars. Like if you see a pickup truck with hunting stuff on the back of it, yep. that's gonna get hit. But if it's a Toyota Prius, they're going to be like, man, ain't nothing in there. Yep. And they, I done had people, like, they got their laptop sitting on the back seat. They got all kind of expensive stuff sitting there. Mm-hmm. But they car ain't get broken into. But their neighbor car, who got first, got Second Amendment stuff on the back of it, and it's like, oh, I keep guns in here, they're getting broken into. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel the hunt for guns is so important to 12-year-olds right up? The age for people that's getting involved Going up, like mm-hmm. it's like, it's like back in the days, you know, you used to have to hit a certain age before yeah. you could be in the streets. Right. But now it's like they pushing it towards mm-hmm. younger folks. It's like every day you see younger and younger people just into it with each other and doing crazy stuff. Like one day I was talking to like a, he was like nine. He like, yeah, I'm getting bullied and this and that and this. And I'm like, well, what's going on? What are you doing? Dude, like, yeah, he like 13. He told me he was going to rob me. He said he had a gun and all this. Now I'm like, bro, what you getting out of robbing a nine-year-old? Right, that's that's sad, bro. How hard does that make y'all job, though, dealing with younger and younger people? Because uh, getting into police, uh, getting into being a police, uh, I'm sure you don't be thinking you're going to be dealing with 10-year-olds with guns, robbing people and stuff like that. How hard does that make y'all job? Facts. It, it make it harder. And then on the flip side of that is the system make it harder, too, because it's like, yeah, he's 12, so he can't go to big people jail. He can't mm-hmm. go to jail for 20 years like somebody else would. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to jail for months, a year. Like, if he broke into a car, they got this crazy system. Like, breaking into a car, not a violent crime. So, they're not going to hold you for months. Right. They hold you for a week, two weeks. You then back out. Back, then he back, breaking into him. Right. So, it's like, we we arresting them. Mm-hmm. They done cleared plenty of cases on these people who breaking into cars, but... They repeat offenders. They get out and do the same thing, or they gonna tell their partners how to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, with starting so young in the being in the criminal activities, do you? How does that affect the upbringing of a young guy, a girl who's doing this? How does that affect them when they get older? 
like 18, 19, do you feel the criminal activity will still continue or how do they drift away from that? So what it seemed like is once you hit that 18, 19, you still be doing it. You still mm-hmm. be doing the same stuff, but now you're doing it with 15, 16 year olds, 14 year olds, but you 18, 19. So when y'all get caught, you're the one taking the slam. So right. it's like, now you go and sit down, but they're going to keep doing what they're doing and they're going to forget about you by the time you get out. So it's like you you went you taking that seat while everybody else still continuing what they gotta do. And it's probably a process that they done seen happen before them, mm-hmm. but it's not like something they're gonna learn from. What is a normal process? Well, what is a normal day for a police officer in New Orleans from when you get up in the morning? What time y'all wake up? Take us through a day of a normal police officer. So I work overnight. I get off of work at seven o'clock. Usually I try to go hit the gym or something, do mm-hmm. something, get off. When I get off of work, about eight, nine o'clock, I try to go to sleep. I wake up at like 12, one o'clock, eat something, go back to sleep, <laughs> go to sleep, wake up to wake up about five, six, eat something again. Then, you know, do some stuff that I got to do around the house or whatever, and then go back to sleep. If I feel sleepy or whatever. So y'all heard him. A lot of sleep. (laughs) Go to sleep, eat, sleep, sleep. I got to (laughs) work. Ain't none of that. None of that. All right. So then I get up, go to work. I get up at like 9 o'clock, 9.30, go to work. I'm late at 10.25, so I'm getting at like 10.17. Mm -hmm. Then go to work. And once you're at work, it's like it depends on where you work at. Some places don't really have like... Because really... If nobody calling the police, we just ride around and either you could either patrolling. make sure, yeah, mm-hmm. you patrolling, making sure everybody's straight or you pulling cars over or whatever you do, mm-hmm. whatever you like to do. But some places, like in the East, they don't ever have time to just patrol because you got 50 people called the police that didn't get answered from the last shift. Damn. So you got to go deal with them before you even dealing with the people who calling the police right now on oh. your shift. But like where I work at, you might have 10. Well, deal with that real quick. Do their reports. Do what they got to do. And then just as people call the police, you just deal with what they got to deal with. Mm-hmm. So a lot of sleep, y'all, and then basically patrolling and serving the neighborhood. What is the, like you said, 10 to 12, what is the regular rate of police calls in New Orleans? Like you said, does it vary by location? Uh, yeah, definitely. So it varies by location, and the different locations have different types. Like mm-hmm. if you uptown by Audubon Park and stuff like that, you're getting a lot of, oh, they broke into my car. Or if you're in the east, you kind of getting a little bit of everything. You getting, mm-hmm. they stole this, they beat me up, they did this. It's different. If you like seven ward, nine ward, it's a mix, but usually it's like, crimes people did to other people. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I got into it with this person, or oh, this person did me this. And if you uptown like Third Ward, the same situation. A lot of more people crimes like, oh, this person did me this or this person did me that. We got into it. And pretty much stolen cars is everywhere because people be leaving their cars running when they go to the gas station. Yep. So in New Orleans, does how is New Orleans, I would say, gang culture or block culture or just basically anything dealing with a group of people clicking up? How is that culture in New Orleans? So a lot of people from out of town don't get it because they they think everything is a gang. So they right. be like, oh, these this set don't mess with this set. Right. But in reality, it's like this just the click. Mm-hmm. Like they met up with each other, they clicked up, 
and now they a crew. Mm-hmm. They get themselves a name, and that's that's them. And they might be beefing with these other people, but it's not a gang. That's just the, the clique. Mm-hmm. But it's like it seemed like after Katrina, that's when everything kind of went left because before Katrina, you had the projects. So right. it's like. These are the people from the Ten Ward. You know them. They all from the Thomas. These are the people from Seven Ward. You know them. They all from the St. Bernard. Yep. But now that they don't have projects and everybody's kind of spread out, you got people from the Seven Ward clicking up with people from the Third Ward and different stuff like that, and you living up the street from your beef. Mm-hmm. So it, that's what's really making it crazy. And Instagram, for some reason, riling everything up. People <laughs> like to do everything on Instagram. Right. They help y'all though. Yeah, they be on Instagram live. Yeah, I'm spending the night. I'm coming right. by your house. How does y'all, how do the police look at that? When I, cause our police actively on Instagram with like fake pages trying to, I guess, bust people. So like if, if somebody be like, oh, this is such and such Instagram, they showed this video on Instagram, da 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 You could get a warrant and you could go and they gonna, Instagram going to open their page for you mm-hmm. and stuff like that for you to go on to the page. But if you're stupid enough to do all that stuff on a public page, they is. then you don't <laughs> even need all that. You just pop up on there. Now, you could you get the warrant just to you know cover yourself mm-hmm. so nobody don't see you did nothing dirty. But like you doing this on a public page, the people got the video. Mm-hmm. You, you shot this man, and this man got the video. He going to show the police. He going to be like, yeah, this is a dude who did it. He on Instagram with the gun right here. Right. Now, how do um how do you guys deal like you said with the clicks and that? How do New Orleans deal with different clicks and different wards beefing with each other? How does the police department deal with such big a group of large people dealing with another group of large people and trying to do violent things to them? So like they have gang units and stuff like that, which they're not dealing with gangs. They're dealing with the wards and they're dealing with the different hoods or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, like, when people do these crimes to each other and stuff like that, you'll look and you'll be like, okay, this such and such. He from the Sun Wall. He from back of town. Back of town been into it heavy with the people in the Desire Project. Mm-hmm. So you'll kind of run that information and then you'll pass that on to the people in the gang unit and then they'll be able to put it together from there because even though people don't be talking to you, people be talking. So yeah. like if I'm in a store and I'm in a store by the desire and I'm just sitting there on the aisle, I'm not even, you know, they don't know I'm there. I'm just sitting there on the aisle trying to give me something to drink. Somebody will walk in there, little 13 year old, yeah, them dude from back of town don't want nothing, da 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 da. Now I know, okay, cool, y'all beefing with back of town. I'm about to get my drink though and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're saying that um, I want to get to police killings. I had a couple killings of police officers. I think one was in a desire with a police officer sitting um, in his car and somebody ran and killed him. How does the police officer, police officer deal with their own being killed? Because I know it's more motivation to catch the killer because who bold enough to just walk up on the car and kill a police officer? The, the response is always different. Like, it's one thing when, like, something happened to another person, that means the people that work in that area is mm-hmm. going to all deal with that crime. But it's right. like when a police officer get hit, the feds coming, state yep. coming, everybody coming. Like if somebody in the cell, and somebody in the 911 gets shot and they're a police officer, Shelmet coming. Homer, everybody, they're going to come down here Damn. and they're going to like flood the area. Like all you're going to see is blue and white lights. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. that's really what helped people get caught when they're doing stuff like that. And, like, the dude who shot the dude at the Carver at the basketball game, 
He shot him, and within minutes, because they already had a bunch of police officers there, mm-hmm. and then within minutes, they had at least 20 more. Damn. So, dude, even if he would have tried to run, it wasn't nowhere you could run, because mm-hmm. everybody's sitting there, everybody looking specifically for you. Now, some people just feel like, you know, I'm going to bang it out. I'm going to take a couple of them with me, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, something's going to happen. Like They're going to find out right. who did it, mm-hmm. because they're putting all of the resources into it, because it's like if you don't feel if you don't make the officers feel like you don't you don't care about their life, the officers yeah, not yeah. gonna do no work either. Right. So it's shoot on sight when you find when you nah, find somebody like that. Nah, it's not shoot on sight. You you gonna try to you know bring them down. You because you won't bring them to jail. You right. won't kill them. You won't bring them to jail. Because then I'd rather you sit in jail for 40, 50 years than you be done right there. He <laughs> said so you be done. All so, right. Now I want to get to the. I would say the rappers, I don't know if you tune in tune with rappers, but of course you listen to rap music, I'm sure. A lot of rappers go to jail all the time, maybe if it's young to old. Why are so, and people feel like the hip-hop police have a lot to do with that. Is the hip-hop police real? Are you informed about any of that? So in New Orleans, as far as I know, we don't have a hip-hop police, Mm -hmm. but I know for a fact, like places like New York, Cali, stuff like that, they mm-hmm. have hip hop police. They have people who sit there, listen to the music, write a warrant based off of what they're hearing in the songs, yep. and now they're gonna tap your phone. They're gonna surveil you, and that's how a lot of these people is getting caught. Like Casanova, Casanova was in the song rapping about it. They said, "Okay, Casanova, rap about it. Let's see if he talk about it." They tapped his phone. He was talking about it. Once mm-hmm. they once he talked about it, they arrested him. And it's the feds. Yeah. All right, now I want to get to back to you and your career. What um is uh end goal for you in being a police officer? Do you want to be a detective? Do you want to be an FBI? Do you want to keep moving up in the ranks? Yeah, I would definitely want to keep moving up in the ranks. They have a um they have a spot. It's a guy. He's like a bomb tech. Mm-hmm. And he defuses bombs and stuff like that. Damn, they make chatter too. I ain't gonna <laughs> stunt. They better they dealing with shit that can blow up in their face. Hey, it blow up, it ain't your problem no more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you that, that's that's what you want to be a bomb detector? Yeah, them dudes make like a hundred an hour, bro. Them dudes make chatter. But they only work for like an hour, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> only take about 20 minutes to get it. <laughs> All right, man. And a couple more things I won't get up. What is one of the most dangerous things you ran through so far in being a police officer? The most dangerous situation that we usually come across, like every day, mm-hmm. is domestics. Cause it's like when you, like when you and your old lady into it, you really be like on a whole different type of time. Right. So then it's like somebody else come in there and they telling you, you know, chill out. You like this is my house? What you mean chill out? I ain't do nothing wrong. And that's where stuff just constantly go off the wall, right? Because people just they on ten, and then when the police show up, they like you call the police. Even though it be the neighbor half the time. The mm-hmm. neighbor, like, man, I seen them into it. I'm calling. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, they just be going at each other, and they take all that anger they got at each other and turn it to you. So domestics is definitely dangerous. And other than that, it's like the mental people. Because, mm-hmm. like, they don't really have that Control. many resources down here for people who really need help. So it's like they'll be into it they don't they're not even thinking straight they're not seeing straight they don't know nothing about police they're just like this dude trying to tell me what to do right. and i ain't for it mm-hmm. so that's that's really the two situations that's just like as many people as you could bring bring them because 
it's a higher chance of things going left. And it's better if you got like five people there and y'all could just wrestle with dude and handcuff him <laughs> than if it's just you by yourself. Facts, and now y'all just throwing it. blows and you just like, right. well, we going to do something. It's just who the strongest man after that, huh? Right. Now, before we get out of here, I want to make sure I ask all these questions that the people ask because they're going to be mad at me if I didn't. It says, <laughs> another funny one. Do y'all always get free stuff from the corner store? <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> he plead the fifth. Oh, yeah, y'all. Let's see. Um, do you go home and tell your spouse? I'm thinking this is spouse. Your your S A S. I don't know. <laughs> do you go home and tell your spouse all the juicy stories? Nah, I try not to bring that stuff home. I don't got no spouse, uh-huh. but I try not to bring that stuff home because it's like you'll bring that home and you're telling your lady this and you're telling her that. I had to learn this one because I did it. Like you're telling her this, you're telling her that, and it's just like now all she see you as is, oh, that's police. That's the dude I talked to. That's right, you try to keep personal and police yeah. different. All right, let's go to um, Carolyn B. How do you feel... When you arrive on a scene of a homicide and the victim is young. Have you ever been on a scene of a homicide? Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel when you arrive on a scene of a homicide and the victim is young? By Carolyn B. Shout out Carolyn. I feel like it's preventable because like if somebody was really sitting here and well, not for all of them, but most of them, if somebody was sitting there and bringing them up right and telling them, you know, you could hoop or you could do this and you could do that. They wouldn't be into it with people and they wouldn't really be doing all of this stuff that they're doing at this young age. But Mm -hmm. they don't really some of them don't have that guidance. The only guidance they got is somebody telling them, you know, this what you do. You pick up a gun and you go take something off somebody else's plate. So nice. that's kind of how they be leading themselves to that situation. Mm-hmm. But I be I usually feel like it's preventable unless it's just something that was a freak accident or something. Does something ever hit hit you and be like, man, I can um something bad could happen to me out here while I'm doing my job? Yeah, definitely. So like not that long ago, um they had this one guy in Nine Wall, he shot at two police officers and it's my coworkers. Mm-hmm. I worked down there. It happened like 30, 40 minutes before I got to work. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they just was going over there to talk to him because the neighbor was saying he did whatever he did. So they was going over there to talk to him. He ran in the house, grabbed the AK and sh- shot at him. So damn. it's like, it's like, damn, that really could happen to me. Like that could have been me going over there trying to talk to dude, yep. not even knowing mm-hmm. what's going on with him. Exactly. All right, a couple more questions. Let's see what else we got. Let me see. Oh, this is a good one. Um, do black officers experience racial injustice? If so, why police officers continue to serve? Oh, definitely. So, like, not, like, to point out a specific area or nothing, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, Uptown, St. Charles, all this and that, that's old money. Mm-hmm. That's people who've been having it. That's people who was brought up different. There's some of them people, you'll go to their house, and they'll be like, yeah, you could come to the back, though. The front door only for guests. Mm-hmm. Like they like the help doors on the side. And you're like, but you called me. Yeah, my car got broken into. I need you to come inside and do this and do that. But you got to come to the side though. And it's like different. Like it's not it's not overt. Like nobody not going to sit there and be like, oh, calling you the N word and this and that and this mm-hmm. and that. But like they'll do slick stuff. Different like, oppression that yeah. only 
us black folks will catch. Yeah, like it, the white officer could go through the front door, but I'm black. I gotta come through the side, and mm-hmm. they're not gonna say, you know, oh, it's because you black. They're like, oh, your shoes dirty. It's not, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just little stuff. But I will say that a lot of the white officers are also good with not standing with that. Like mm-hmm. they, if they see that or you point that out to them, they're gonna be like, nah, I'm not going for that. You gonna treat me the same way you treat him. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that I will say they really do stand with that. I ain't good. Damn, hit on my fucking. <laughs> All right, um, couple more. They say, are there any Oreo officers? Do you know Oreo officers? Because I like didn't black, know what she asked. Black on the outside, white on the yep, inside. Yep, my sister told me that. So, are there any Oreo officers? Definitely, they got a lot of people who have like identity problems or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, to us, like that's a black dude, but to them, they're like, nah, I ain't, I ain't one of y'all. Right. One of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like it'd be weird because it's like you be talking to them. And they don't, like, nothing you saying resonating with them. And mm-hmm. they just like, oh, I don't fool with none of that. Or you be like, yeah, you heard that new uh, Kendrick album? Oh, I don't fool with that. That's not my type <laughs> of music, bro. And you just like, damn, you just a skin. <laughs> All right, couple more, couple more before we get you out of here. Um, since George Floyd gave, since George Floyd, since the George Floyd incident, have any black officers quit? Have there been more off black officers that quit? I wouldn't blame the the people that's quitting necessarily on the George Floyd situation. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it's like a kind of a bundle of different things, but it seemed like the George Floyd situation kind of triggered a little bit of different things. And now there's organizational changes and there's different stuff being brought up. Mm-hmm. And now there's some people who don't agree with the direction that some organizations are going in. And then they have some people who feel like this is the right direction and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily just the George Floyd situation. And then, you know, COVID happened at the same yep. time, too. So some people are older and they're like, man, I'm just going to retire. I can't risk getting COVID. I got this. I got that. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question from... It's hard to pronounce his name, so I ain't, ain't going to do it. It's, shout out to you for this question, though. Should police officers take courses on black history? Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. it's like, if you don't know black history, you don't know who you trying to police. Because mm-hmm. it's like, if you never knew what a Mardi Gras Indian was, you never knew why people second line. You never knew. Like, it's not even just black history, but just like history of what they're going to be at in general. Because it's like, if you don't know Third Ward split up into the Magnolia and the Yo and all this and that, and you don't know the know you're beefing with the other side and all this and that, mm-hmm. you're going to be confused. You got to know these type of things to properly be in the area. You can't just go up there and be like, well, in Michigan, we do it like this, so this is how I'm going to do it right. and stuff like that. Because then you're just going to be sitting there like a like a duck in the water. You're going to be sitting there looking stupid. Everybody going to be... Everybody else know what's going on. Everybody else talking about, yeah, they're going to get the stick and they're going to do this and do that. But you're just standing there like, man, they're going to hit each other with sticks? That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's, that's totally accurate, though. Um, do, do you want to, I would say, is there any other things you would like to inform the people on that we didn't touch on um, that people don't know about police officers? I, I really think we hit on a lot of stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like, one, I know you know your rights. You ain't got to tell me you know your rights. Mm-hmm. That's people's favorite line as soon as you're talking to them. I know my rights. I ain't got to tell you nothing. I'm just asking you a question so you don't be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes a lot of people don't understand that. It's like, 
I'm asking you what happened because such and such said you just pulled out a gun and pointed it at right. him. So I want to know if you really know mm-hmm. what's going on. I'm asking you this question so you don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will talk to you and they'll get it, but other times they don't. But at the end of the day, police is people. Just talk to them. You ain't got to tell them everything, but listen to what they got to say before mm-hmm. you decide, I ain't going to talk to you. I ain't got nothing to tell you. Mm-hmm. Because like they had a dude, his car got hit. He was like, somebody hit his parked car, hit and run, they left. His car got hit. I'm like, yeah, bro, I need your information for the report so I could put it in the report that your car got hit. I don't want to talk to you. Two gangs started to talk to the police. So then about 15 minutes later, he come outside. Yeah, my bad, bro. My mama said I should just talk to you, see what you got to say. I'm like, I just need your information so I could put it in the report. It ain't nothing, nobody in trouble. In case you need it, I'll give you the paper and everything like that. Dude was like, well, the car ain't registered. That's why I ain't want to talk to you. You wasn't driving it. I don't care. Cool. <laughs> Get it registered later. It's right. parked. I don't care. Dude was like, damn, that's it? Yeah, that's it, bro. Like, right. I just needed that so I could write this down and get out your way. Or uh, it's like, you'll be telling them, like, you got your ID. Oh, I ain't giving you nothing. Da, 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 da. The faster I get your name, the faster I get out your hair. Right. It's like, I just got to write, you argued with this person on this day. Bye. <laughs> I'm out your hair. But yeah, somebody listen to what he telling y'all, bro. Y'all listen to him. All right, man. This was a good episode. We have police officer. You can tell him your name, bro. You tell him where you be at. Well, you already told him where you be. Where you be? Seven ward, eight ward, night ward. That's yeah. where you work at. So if y'all see him in the corner still getting free shit, <laughs> ask him, you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, man, this episode nine. Any last words for the people, bro? Y'all be out there. Be safe. Stop leaving stuff in y'all cars and stop leaving them running. Facts, man. And I asked all the questions y'all asked me to ask, even the foolish ones. So don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. And that is it, man. Episode 9, and we are out.